What I've learned in the last 90 days is that Jesus has to be the center of everything that we do. But in order to, for Jesus to be the center of everything that we do, he has to be the center of our lives to start with. So it's very important this morning that we take um, what the Word is going to give us in the Scripture reading here in a few, a few seconds, and we take it and we apply it to our lives on a daily basis. And here is how the Scripture reads. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And I will be stopping in some of these, some of these verses to kind of reiterate, reiterate a little bit. I love to go through the, through the scripture and just stop on a verse and say, this is what I think. And this is what God has put in my heart. So let's, let's read this morning in, in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, so if your, yours is a little different, just uh, go with me on this, please. Again, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, at the beginning there, it says, an expert in the law. So if he's an expert in the law, what is he doing asking Jesus a question? Well, the scripture also says that he stood up to test Jesus to see if this man, Jesus, was truly who he said he was. So in, in, in our lives, we look at these things sometimes and we're kind of like that expert in the law, right? We kind of just say, hey, Jesus, you know, why, why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to tithe? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? You're the expert, right? Sometimes we are experts or we think we are. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, being the great teacher that he was and is, says this. What is written in the law? If you're the expert, he didn't say this in the scripture, but I'm kind of looking at what Jesus would say. If you're the expert, you tell me, right? Jesus, in the fashion that he replied a lot of times, uh, when someone asked him a question, he would ask a question back. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But then again, you are the expert, right? You should have known this already. But he wanted to justify himself. So here's the expert. He comes back. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Again, being an expert of the law, he should have known that. In reply, Jesus tells him a story in the Jesus fashion that he would do most of the time. A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him. And went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, Scripture says, verse 33, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, 
brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert, going back to the expert, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do the same. Go and do likewise. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for uh, another beautiful Sunday morning that we are able to read the word, Lord, and we're able to, uh, to hopefully and possibly apply this to our lives, Lord, as we uh, continue on this journey that you have put us on. Lord, we ask that you would uh, help us to um, adhere to the scripture, to read scripture more on a daily basis, to pray more fervently, Lord, and to do all those things that you have commanded us to do. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus tells one of his most famous stories. All of us have probably heard this. Maybe some of you haven't, but most of us have probably heard this either in Sunday school or, or VBS or some, some other place. Maybe in, in pastor sharing a, a sermon. Maybe he's shared this sermon before. But the story begins with a, with a Jewish man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho when he's attacked, robbed, and left dead on the side of the road. So he, he is a, this man is experiencing um, some hurt. He is experiencing some, some, uh, something in his life that maybe you know, he wasn't ready for. And, and I think sometimes most of us, uh, when we experience things in our lives that we're not ready for, or that, we, uh, that we're hurt or, or, or injured or what have you, our first reaction should be always to cry out to God, right? And cry out and say, God, why, it, why am I going through these things? But the key here that we want to look at this morning is not so much on the compassion that the Samaritan had for the, uh, the traveler that was injured, but we want to look at it in a different way aspect this morning. What does the Samaritan do for the injured man? He takes him to an end. He, he bandages him. He, he takes care of him. He does what I think most people would do. I would believe so. You know, I've come across people in my life and they say, oh, pastor, I mean, you know, in my 21 years preaching and, and pastoring, and, you know, people would tell me I'm a good person. My, and my question back would always be, well, what is good? What is the definition of good? Ready to have an answer for that. Maybe someone would say, well, I do this, I do that, I give to charities, I do this, I do that. All these different things, but I would always say, and I would, and I, and I would always say to people that would ask me those questions and say, well, how about having Jesus as your center, right? How about having Jesus as the one that you answer to on a daily basis? So Jesus concludes the story with this question. Which of the three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked? And the expert in the law says, of course, the, the Samaritan. Now, as I said before, usually when we're talking about this, we're talking about this story, we're usually talking about compassion. 
But in this story, I, I, I want to go a little bit deeper, and there's a more meaningful truth here that I've already shared with you. Jesus is teaching us through this parable that he must be at the center of every, everything that we do and think. And I'm going to grab my, my wheel over here, my illustration. I should have brought it up with me, but thankfully it's not a great big wheel. <laughs> and this week when I was thinking about an illustration, I said, because my, my wife uh, and I really like to teach in object lessons. And if some of you that have kids already know, you're probably inundated with a lot of stuff that the kids are taking home, right? But it's an object lesson. There's a reason for that, okay? So this morning, you're going to see this bicycle tire. And if you don't remember anything else about my sermon, you're going to remember, Pastor Jerry had a bicycle tire up there. What in the world? <laughs> uh, so the bicycle tire represents a... Our life, okay? It represents how we live. Now, the, the tire or the wheel, not the tire, but the wheel has been around for since 3500 B.C. I mean, it goes way back. And it, the thing about the, the wheel, though, it hasn't changed much. It's still round, right? It still goes in a circular motion, goes around and around. And in years since that time, the wheel has been developed to transport people from one place to another. And, of course, if your car has wheels, I hope it does, <laughs> that, you get, that it gets you where you need to go. But here, here's the thing that I think a lot of us miss when we look at a wheel. Did you know that a wheel has a center? See the center of the wheel? What, what, what is that? Like, could be an axle, could be a... A bearing where the bearings go in there. And in order for the wheel to turn, it has to have a center, right? So in order for, in order for a Christian to be able to do what God commands us to do, we as Christians, we need to have a center. And what should the center be if it's not Jesus Christ, right? If it's not Jesus Christ. So another, another neat thing about the wheel, I don't know about some of you that are my age. And I'm going to tell you how old I am. But when I was a kid... We had these bikes called, uh, what were they called? I don't know. They had like sissy bars and some other stuff. And, and I always wanted one of those. I always wanted one of those bikes. Oh, banana seat. Remember the, the bicycles with banana seat? And Stingray, they say. Stingray, yeah, there you go. So I, I never knew because by the time I got a bicycle, it was a hand-me-down and uh, the, the writings was written off and couldn't really tell what it was. I just know that it went, it went back and forth. But as a kid, I remember, and when I saw these spokes, I said, oh, flashbacks. Yeah, flashback memory, where I would put a uh, clothespin on the, on the frame of the bike and put a, a piece of cardboard on here, and it would make a cool sound. <laughs> and, as, and as I'm going down the road with this thing, it would make a cool sound. But at the same time, I'm, I'm noticing something on the wheel here. 50 years later in my life, and I'm thinking, those things that I was putting on the bicycle is kind of like a Christian today, that we put things in our lives. We know that Jesus is the center, but sometimes we add things to our lives to make a sound or to make it seem like we're really doing more than we're actually doing. And, 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 and again, the spokes on the wheel, if there's not enough spokes on the wheel, what happens to that wheel? 
It kind of goes like this, right? Kind of wobbles down the road. What if the center of the wheel wasn't in the center? What if it was on the right side or the left side? The wheel would go like this. And you, you would really never get to where you were going because you're almost standing in place because the wheel is not centered. With us in our lives, this parable showcases two pri- or three priorities that Jesus wants us to learn this morning, that God wants us to apply to our lives. The first priority is to love God, love, love God and love others. Why was Jesus even on the earth? Because he loves God and he loves us. The most primary value, Jesus is on display in this parable, in this story, who loved God and loved, who, who, was the, who was the one that loved God and loved others? Was it the religious guys? Quote, religious? No, it was, it was the Samaritan guy. The guy who was discriminated against, by the way, by the same Jew that he was trying to help. But what was in him that was different? The love of God was in him and that was that was the difference when we love others and bless them we do so because we're living for Jesus we're living for God amen we, we don't help people because they need help I mean that's what that's what uh, uh, charities and nonprofits do Paul explains it like this Paul explains that the church helps people so that we can share the gospel with them I mean that's why we do what we do right that's why my wife and I are in the ministry of, 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 of uh, caring for your children. Because a child, I got to tell you folks, I don't know if you know this, but a child will tell you the truth. A child will tell you exactly what they're thinking. A child will tell you exactly what happened the night before at home. They will. That's why our joy is so complete when we we're able to help you mold your child into being, into having Jesus as the center of their life. That's why we do what we do. Amen? I mean, that, that's why, that, because we want Jesus, we need to have Jesus at the center of our lives. And we want to share the gospel with them. We want to share how great Jesus is and how it, it's going to get them to be a better person, a better, a better child. I don't know, some parents might say, you know, my children are too young to really know who Jesus is. But you'd be surprised. Ask them some questions sometimes. Ask them the, the story that they read the week before. I mean, a lot of us will go home today and not even think about what was said today. Why do you think I brought the wheel? <laughs> Maybe you might remember just something about that wheel, Right? The most loving thing we can do for someone is share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I might say, Pastor, come on now. You want me to go and be an evangelist everywhere I go? Could be. We can. I mean, we don't have, we, we don't have to take the Bible with us and, and, and hit people upside the head with the Bible and say, listen to me. We don't have to do that. I like to share my stories with people on the other side of the gas pump. When, I, when I'm getting gas, when I drive up to a gas station, I'm always looking for the right gas pump. So beware, if you see a white GMC coming, I'm coming for you. 
2020 GMC coming at you, right? And I'll drive up purposely when someone's on the other side and where I think God is calling me to say something to that person. Now, I might not ever share, not every time, share Jesus with them. But you know what I'm trying to be? I'm trying to be a good neighbor. I don't know these people. A lot of them, I don't know them. But here's the thing. If God gives me an opening, I'll share Jesus Christ with them. And it could be something as simple as, is there something I can pray with you for? I have a, I have a nephew that's a pastor, and every time we go out to eat or go to lunch or something, the waiter or the waitress is going to hear from him. That's just the way he is. That's his character. And I, and I know it's coming. And one of the first things that he says is, young lady or young man, is there something that I can pray for you for? And say, oh, yeah, pray for me. And, <laughs> and, and them not knowing that my nephew is what he is, he'll stand up right there in the restaurant and pray for them. And they're like, who's watching? <laughs> and then after he leaves, of course, he gives above and beyond a tip, monetary tip. That's nice, right? When Jesus is at the center of everything we do and how we think, things are different in our lives, amen? I mean, things are just different. This is what the Samaritan was going through. That, that's how he taught. Now, this, this is what Jesus wanted the, the teachers and those listening to him then, that, that day to understand. He was trying to get them to understand that he is the center. He is our motive. He is our driving force, our decision maker. And he is the reason we love. What other reason could there be that we don't love because Jesus loved us first? Amen? Exactly. Now, there can be other motives that drive your attitude and decisions instead of Jesus, like, like the religious guys in this story. I mean, Jesus doesn't tell us why they didn't stop, but he didn't have to. He didn't have to tell us. The truth is they didn't stop because they had no love for God and others. They missed the most important command while they were trying so hard to obey all the other ones. You ever find yourself in that situation? Where you're trying to be so right that you become wrong and not doing what God commands us to do and just simply loving others. Are you living with Jesus as your center? Is Jesus your motive? Is Jesus your driving force? Or are there other motives driving you right now? That's what we need to ask ourselves this morning. Jesus is teaching us through this parable that he must be at the center of all we do and think. The second priority of Jesus is to obey God. Do you realize that there was another reason Jesus was on earth? So that we could see what a life looks like that is obedient to God. But you say, Pastor, I mean, he was the son of God. He was supposed to be obedient. He was teaching us something. In the short time that he was doing his ministry, uh, three or four short years, he taught us so many things. And still today, he's teaching us many things. Why? Because he's able to bring his word to the people, to the masses, right? And as Central Baptist Church, we have committed, right, to pray for those around us. 
and continue to pray and to share the gospel with them so that every person comes to at least hear about Jesus Christ, right? Because sometimes I think a lot of us think, well, you know, I've talked to my neighbor till I'm blue in the face and my neighbor just is just not coming to church. I'm telling you, they're just, they, by this time, they, they, they don't even come out anymore because they don't want me to speak to them. They used to ask for sugar all the time. They don't ask for anything anymore. I mean, what do we do? We have to think about we have planted the seed, right? Sometimes we are so caught up with planting the seed and water it and seeing it grow when that's not the case. God, a lot of times, will allow us to plant the seed and let somebody else see the rewards of that plant, right? So, and, and the second priority, as we said, is to obey God. The religious guys in the story apparently had something really, really important stuff to do, right? They were so busy they couldn't stop and help an injured man on the side of the road. <laughs> and one of them actually, the, the scripture says, walked on the other side. I mean, the guy was injured. Where, I mean, were you going to get infected or something by going close to the guy? I mean... Sometimes we avoid people like, like they're deadly or something. I don't know. Why, why do we do that? Because our priorities are not in order. They ignored the most important command. A life that is motivated by Jesus wants to obey God more than anything. When Jesus is at the center of our lives, we will always obey God's commands. And we will submit to his authority. I struggle with a sinful nature just like everybody else. Just because I'm a, I'm a pastor or a preacher doesn't mean that I'm not human. I'm human like anybody else. But here's the thing. Do we struggle with those things? Do we struggle with lying? Do we struggle with gossip? Of course not. Do we struggle with cheating, stealing, losing our temper? Oh, there's thought. Or just being grumpy. <laughs> My granddaughter, which spends a lot of time with us, she's almost going to be 10, going on 20. Um, she spends a lot of time with us at the house. And I office out of my house. And uh, there's days that she will come in there. And she'll, she won't knock on the door. She'll just come right in, right, to my office. And, and she'll say, Grandpa, I need this or I need that. And, and I'll kind of, if I'm busy or if I'm in a Zoom meeting or whatever, I'll, I'll kind of not snap at her, but I said, Emma, I'll get to it later. And I hear in the background, she goes, Grandma, Grandpa's grumpy this morning. <laughs> I don't go after her because I know that she means well. And I think, okay, I got I to retract, go back, and, and um, not be grumpy, right? I mean, that, that, that's the hardest thing. One of the hardest things that we can do with our, with our grandchildren, you know, I, I don't always show compassion. Sometimes I'm kind of like the religious guys in the story. You know, when you're talking to your wife or you're talking to, to your co-workers possibly or, or any of those things. But it's important to know that this morning we prayed so that we would be able to talk to our family. We'd be able to talk to our, our friends, to, to our co-workers, to, to those people that we come in contact with. In, in my business in real estate, we, we call it our sphere of influence. That's a fancy word, right, Pastor? Uh, sphere of influence. 
It's basically those people that you know, right, that, that are around you that, that you're able to, 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 to be in contact with. That's why, this is why I need Jesus. Right? I, need, I need his grace. I need his mercy. And I want to obey God. When, when I act in unloving ways, I, I don't know about you, but I feel guilty. I, I feel this guilt of, man, I, I've let God down today. And I'll go to my quiet time, whenever your quiet time is. For some of us, it's early in the morning, late at night, whenever. Whenever your quiet time is, then you ask God, have I offended you today, God? If I have offended you, God. And I know I have. Right? I ask you to forgive me. And God, being the great father that he is, what does he do? He forgives us. He forgives us. Amen? So, my conscience always hurts when I disobey God. If Jesus is your center, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly, you know, I heard a couple of amen. Paul relates to, and he says this, Paul says the same thing. He says, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Paul said. So what does he do? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ. That's what he came for. And that's what he's doing. And that's what he will do. In our lives. When I pray, and this is important, I think, in, in this context, is the context that prayer must be discussed, right? The context, I, I don't pray to ask God to be involved in what I'm doing. I'm not perfect by any means. God is. I pray so that I can be involved in what God is doing. And what God is doing in my life. And right now, he's got me on this journey at Central Baptist Church teaching kids and loving on them and helping parents to, with their kids. That's what we're doing. And, and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. So, what do we do? But at times, I know some of us have been disappointed in God. Some of us, I know, have gone maybe to bed angry with God and say, God, why, did, why did, do I have to go through this? What, what is it? Maybe you prayed for healing and the healing didn't happen. Or you prayed for a job and you didn't get the job. I know my daughter, uh, she, she got her nursing degree. And, um, you know, she, she, she always comes to me when she needs advice, right? Which is a good thing, by the way. You know, she's 37, 38 or something like that. And she still comes to dad. That's amazing. But she said, dad, I didn't get the job that I applied for. I said, so? And she's like astonished, right? She's like, what do you mean so? I really wanted this job. I said, so? You didn't get the job. Do you understand that you did not get the job because God had something better for you? She goes, no, Dad, I didn't understand it that way. And, you know, we've always taught our kids to love God, and I believe all three of them know and trust Jesus Christ. Now, if they're doing exactly what they should be doing, maybe they need to listen to this message. Would this message be online, by the way? Okay. I'll send them the link. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to ask them to watch this. You need to watch this. Okay. 
So anyway, so guess what? She applied for another job, and it's like the best job ever. She went through like four or five different interviews, panel interview and this interview and that interview. She was so stressed out, but she finally came back. She said, Dad, they, they hired me. I got the job. And I, you see, I said, do you understand now? When you pray, not every time you're going to get the answer that you want. But if you let God be in the center, let Jesus Christ be the center of your life, then, 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 and, you, and you allow yourself to do what God wants to do in your life and not what you want to do, then things will work out. She was excited, obviously. For those, for those that, who have Jesus at the center, they have a different understanding of prayer. Jesus commands his followers to obey. Obedience is a priority for Jesus' followers. Obedience is about submitting to the authority of Jesus. Submission is always practiced through prayer. How do you, when you pray, what do you pray? And that's, and that's how we submit, through prayer. I submit to the purpose of Jesus through prayer. Submitting to the will of God is how Jesus taught his followers to pray. When Jesus discussed prayer with the same group of folks, he said this, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home just, justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How did the sinner humble himself? He asked God for mercy and confessed his sin. As we should, right? But not the Pharisee. For those, uh, he asked God, the Pharisee told God who he was if God wasn't aware. Sometimes we say, well, God, you know who I am. You know, you know my position, this and that. You know, get it done for me, God. Come on, get it done. Instead of saying, you know, humbling yourself before God and saying, God, you know my life. You know what needs to be done in my life. I submit myself to you. Amen? See, the sinner wanted to be involved in what God was doing. The Pharisee wanted to be involved in what he was doing. He wanted God to be involved. In my experience, there are three reasons why Christians struggle to pray. One, they have been, been felt burned, burned by God so they don't think God really cares. And really is not going to answer their prayer. The second type is they're self-centered and unwilling to humble themselves. And the third one is they're ignorant of the power of prayer and they have no idea what God is doing around them. The power of prayer is, could I say powerful? <laughs> I mean, it is. The power of prayer is so great and so amazing. You know, sometimes if we would just take it and try it and do it on a daily basis, then we would see what God wants to do in us. If you're struggling with prayer, then I hope you'll heal some of, some of this awesome news. God loves you and cares for you. So you should pray for your needs. Ah, your needs. Not so much your wants. Right? Because we all want a lot of stuff. Right? Well, you know, Pastor, it's easy, man. You just go to Amazon.com and just hit the button. And you got it. Everything you want. Yeah, but how are you going to pay for it? That's the thing. You can choose to humble yourself, though it's not an easy thing to do. I know, and God will involve you in what he's doing. But we need to humble ourselves. 
God wants to involve you in what he's doing, but it's always on his terms, right? It always has to be on God's terms and not ours. The two church workers in this story were not obedient to God, even though they knew the law, but the Samaritan was. Why? Because he had the love of God in him. He loved God and he loved others, right? If Jesus is your center, then obedience is a priority. Prayer, then, is a daily practice of submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. When you pray, you're asking God to involve you in what he's doing rather than assume God will produce what you desire of him. What desire of God? God knows exactly what he's going to do with us and when he's going to do it. Jesus is teaching us through this parable that he must be at the center of all we do and think. Ah, the wheel. The center. You can take and look at one of these spokes. That's your prayer life. The other spoke is your worship attendance. The other spoke is uh, loving your neighbor, whoever it is, right? The other spoke could be uh, bringing your children up in the love and respect of Jesus Christ. Amen. All these spokes are connected to the center. And everything that, that is, the, Jesus is at the center, everything that goes out from there produces a good wheel. So how, how is your, your wheel this morning? How is, if Jesus is at your center, then things are good. Is, is our spoke going to need a tightening up sometimes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll need to tighten up that spoke sometimes because sometimes our life will start to wobble. A little bit here and there and, and tighten up the, the, the spoke, right? Tighten it up. Tighten it up. Tighten up that Bible study. Tighten up that prayer time. Tighten up that, that worship attendance. Tighten up that <clears throat> tithing situation. <laughs> the parable of the Good Samaritan is a story that connects the priorities of Jesus with his audience. Do you love God, love others, and, you are, and are you practicing this by serving people and making disciples? Sharing Jesus Christ with people is basically making disciples. Because if that person or persons come to know Christ because of something that you did, by something that you said, or maybe by, by the good neighbor that you are or were, then you are making disciples. And God is using you as the instrument to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. We shouldn't be so caught up into uh, the details or the intricacies of uh, evangelism and, and disciple making and all these things. It's very simple. Just share Jesus Christ. Just share what you know. I've had young Christians come to me and say, Pastor, you know, young Christian man, they're on fire. I mean, they're just, I mean, they're just ready to go. They're so excited. They want to tell the whole world about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And they come to me and they say, well, how am I going to do it? You know, do I need this? What do I need to study? Do I need to go to seminary? I said, no. I said, just share your story. What do you mean my story? Yeah, how did you come to Christ? Well, Pastor, I mean, you invited me or you, you, know, you spoke with me. You, you shared Christ with me and I accepted him. Share that story. But share a little bit about what your life was like before Jesus Christ. Just a little bit. Don't go too far. 
So people go too far in those testimonies of the past. Right? Don't go too far. Share a little bit of what your life was like. Share a little bit of how Jesus, you came to know Jesus right now. And then where you see Jesus taking you. That's our testimony. Short and simple. Right? But Jesus being the center of our lives. Amen?